Well, hello, Trinity Church. Morning. It has been a wonderful mission celebration weekend. I know a number of you have joined us for some of the things that we're doing, but all of you have joined us for what we're doing right now, so thank you for being here. We had a group out on the parking lot building a loft house yesterday. We're going to send some folks down to, to Mexico this next week, and we're going to give that away to a family. And then last night, we had a great turn, turnout for the Ends of the Earth uh, movie. And it's just one of the things I'm so excited about is how God just sometimes he speaks in ways that are so clear and focused. And I feel like with this weekend, God has done that, certainly in my own life. And so the passage of scripture that we're going to look at today is spot on with this, this message of the, the value and worth of giving everything to follow Jesus. And uh, so we're going to be in Mark chapter 10, verse 17 is where we're starting. And we're going to take a little bit of a different approach to the uh, sermon today. And, and I'm excited about it. I'm going to preach a first-person narrative sermon. And that means we're going to walk through this biblical text as if we're hearing it through the storytelling of an eyewitness who was there. And so we're going to hear it from the Apostle Peter today. And uh, so with no further ado, I would like to hand things over to Peter. Well, greetings from your brothers and sisters in Rome. That's where I'm living out these last years, maybe months of my life. It is, it is difficult in Rome. I fear that my homegoing is near. And yet, perhaps not today. Perhaps not now because my Lord, our Lord, has, has sent me to be with you. And I hear that you are considering this, this great commission that Jesus has given us as his followers to go into all the world and to make disciples of the peoples of the world, of the nations. I have given my entire life to this calling, and I assure you, this is worth it. It's worth every bit of my life to give for the kingdom and for my king. And yet, have you ever stopped to think that this, this calling to go always has to start with a willingness to leave? In fact, the call that Jesus gives all of us to come and follow me, it requires that we are willing to leave. For example, if, I was to, if you were to invite me over to your home for dinner, after, for lunch after the service today, I'm not suggesting anything, mind you, but let's just say you did and you said, follow me to my house after the service, for me to do that, I would have to leave this location. Uh, in fact, I would have to leave 
what I was doing at the moment, and I'd have to leave what I was planning to do, change of plans. And I assure you, I'm sure it would be well worth it. You see, following Jesus is like that, except for one major, major difference. Jesus does not invite us to follow him for an event. He invites us to follow him for a lifetime. And sometimes I wonder if what stops us from following him wholeheartedly is the issue of leaving. It reminds me of a story. It was told by Mark in his gospel in the 10th chapter. And I will never forget this story. It was a day that was seared in my memory because it was so significant. And we're walking with Jesus just like we did pretty much every day. And Jesus is, is stopping and being interrupted and spending time with people. And he's teaching us. And he had just, we had all just gotten up and got on the road. And we're, we're going down this road. And a young man comes running up desperate for something, and he's running, and, and he's, he's yelling out Jesus' name, and, and he comes, and Jesus stops. We all stop, and he comes up to Jesus, and he bows before him, and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You could tell this young man was well off by the way he was dressed. And, and he was an impressive man, the way that, that he honored and bowed before Jesus. But Jesus was not impressed with the man. In fact, he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And then he went on to answer his question. He said, you've heard of the commandments, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not uh, defraud. You shall not lie. Honor your father and mother. And without pausing, the man just said, all of these I've kept since my youth. Like I said, this was a good man. We could have gained by having a young man like this as part of our group of disciples. But Jesus, he just looked at him. Oh, and I, I, I could see that look in Jesus' eyes. And he looked at him and he loved him. And the reason I know that is because Jesus has looked at me, he looked at me that way. And I could tell, it's like Jesus could look into me and he saw, he sees everything in my life. And, I, and that's what happened at that moment. And he said to that man, he said, one thing you lack. Go and sell everything and give your money to the poor. And then you'll have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. The man who came in such desperation as he got up 
you could just see everything was replaced with this deep sadness. He hung his head and he turned and he walked back down the road from the direction that he came. And Jesus let him go. And the, we disciples were, were over here and we watched this whole scene and we were, we were troubled to say the least. No one had ever turned down Jesus, but then Jesus had never put the bar, the bar so high before. I mean, he told that man to sell everything he had. We were wrestling with this, and it's like Jesus knew it. And, and he turned to us and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now we were surprised that the, the man, Jesus wasn't just letting him off. It, it was striking because we are looking, and that man was a good man. He followed the commandments. He was seeking the Lord. Everything seemed right, and yet Jesus said something was wrong. And so we're struggling over here to figure out what just happened and it's like Jesus knows it, and he tells us again. But this time he says, he calls us children. He says, children. And at that moment, it, it's like the light bulb went on. And I remembered just moments before, before we began, we were in this place where all these children were coming to Jesus. We tried to keep them away. And he said, don't keep them away. Let them come to me. And so they're just climbing all over him, and he's blessing them. And he turns to us in that moment, and he says, if anyone does not receive the kingdom as a little child, he will never enter into it. And so when Jesus said children, I remembered that. And so he says, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is more difficult for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for those who are rich to enter the kingdom of God. You can, you can imagine, now we are shocked, to say the least. We're astounded that our Lord just painted this vivid picture of impossibility and then said that the wealthy, it was, did he really say it was impossible for wealthy people to be saved? And so we're kind of saying to ourselves, who then can be saved? And Jesus heard us and he said, with man, this is impossible but not so with God. All things are possible with God. I would contemplate those words, and they really didn't make sense to me until the other side of the cross and the resurrection that Jesus had just summarized the gospel 
the good news. You see, salvation has nothing to do with how good I am or how good you are. It has everything to do with how good God is. As we were kind of standing there, I started to remember when, when Jesus invited me to follow him. You see, my brother Andrew and I, we were fishermen, and, you know, we, were, we weren't wealthy by any means, but we, were, we made ends meet. But Andrew had left because John the Baptist had called him. And so Andrew comes running up to me, and he says, we have found the Messiah. And then he took me to Jesus, and that's when Jesus said, come follow me. Andrew and I followed Jesus because he was and is the Messiah. He was not just a good teacher to us. He was Messiah, and I told him so once. I, uh, he had asked us on the road, this was before uh, this day, he had said, who do people say I am? And some said, some say you're a prophet, some say you're Elijah, and, and then he said, well, who do you say I am? And I just blurted it out. You are the Messiah. And you know, not long, just a few moments later, Jesus said these words I will never forget. He said, whoever wishes to be my disciple must deny himself, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. John and, and James, they lost their life for Jesus and for the gospel they left their dad in the fishing boat with his servants, and they followed. Matthew, he left his lucrative, although morally questionable, career as a tax collector. He left it all, and he followed Jesus. And Simon and Philip, Nathaniel, in a way, we, we had all left everything. To follow him. And, I, and we were all thinking that at the moment. And leave it up to me to put my foot in my mouth and just say what I was thinking. And so I just said, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus didn't even let me finish. And he said, truly I tell you, no one who has left homes and brothers and sisters and mothers, and fathers, and fields for me and for the kingdom will not receive a hundred times more in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, fields, children. And in the age, along with persecutions, he said, 
and in the age to come, eternal life. I'm not the one who's good at math here, but it didn't miss me that our Lord just promised a hundred times as much as we could ever give to him. And it wasn't just a hundred times on the other side of eternity. It was a hundred times in this present age, on this earth, as we follow Jesus, his promise was a hundred times as much. Now, I thought about it. If, if my home would double over my lifetime, the value of my, my, my home, I would have twice as much, and I would have a hundred percent increase. A hundred times as much. I can't even do that math. We're going to have to leave that to Matthew to figure that one out. But all I know is it's a mind-blowing promise that Jesus gave us. And here's the thing. It's true. It's true. As I've lived my whole life, most of, most of my life is, is behind me now. I have followed Jesus, and I can't count how many homes I have stayed in, in different towns and in, in different churches. And I cannot count how many brothers and sisters I have but as the Lord adds to the number of the people who belong to him, they become his children, and they become our brothers and our sisters, hundreds. Even Mark. Mark, who wrote this story in his book, I consider him a son. He is my child in the faith. And all the provision of the Lord, all of his provision has cared for my needs throughout my entire life. Oh, yes, the Lord has held true to that promise. I assure you that in the next age, I will have eternal life. I know it to be true. But there are three words that the Lord included with that promise that were hard for me to hear along with persecutions. The way of the cross took a long time to make sense to me. I wanted nothing to do with a Messiah who would suffer. I was unwilling to suffer. Oh, you know that I said... I'm willing to die for you, but Jesus set me straight, didn't he? And you've probably heard about my story, most people have, how I failed to follow Jesus wholeheartedly in the courtyard of the high priest that night that he was arrested. If he had said one thing you lack, I've always wondered in my life, is it this unwillingness to suffer? Was that my one thing? And so, when my Lord went to the cross that next day, I was a broken man in need of grace and forgiveness. You see, with Peter, salvation is impossible, but not so with God. 
all things are possible with God. And so my Lord saved me in spite of myself. Praise be to his name. And now my walk of following Jesus day by day, step by step, is a walk of faith, and it's the same grace, it's the same forgiveness that I wake up to and live in every day. Our Lord ended, kind of summarized this moment for us as we're still standing here. With these familiar words, he would use them more than once. And it's simply this, but many who are first will be last, and the last first. That's the way it is in his upside-down kingdom. It's, it's not the wealthy person who appears to be good, who feels like they're good, who, who has amazing status in society, who everybody would want to be on their team. That person on their own merit in their own merit, is not going to enter the kingdom. No, it is the child. It's the little child that comes with nothing, but comes with a heart that wants to be with Jesus, that longs for love and affection and belonging. Those are the ones that enter the kingdom. It's, it's not those who try to save their lives that get to enter the kingdom. Rather, it's the ones who lose their lives. They're the ones who find him. And it's, it's not those who hoard their wealth, who build their wealth and their prestige. It's it's those who are willing to give it all away so that they'll have treasure in heaven. That's how it is in our Lord's kingdom. So here you are today, and you're considering this call that God has placed on your lives not only to follow him, but in following to be willing to go and make disciples of all nations, of all peoples of the world. And I have one question for you. Is it worth it? If our Lord is merely a good teacher to you, then maybe not. But if he is Messiah, if he is the Lord God Almighty, then it is worth it. He is worth it. Brothers and sisters, it has been an honor to share with you, to be together. I wish you an abundance of God's peace, and his grace to guide your steps as you continue to follow him. And I hope that one day 
If not in this present age, in the age to come, we shall meet again. Farewell.